0: This is College Football Weekly. College Football like you've never heard it before.
1: Now, here's Will Chambers and Tyler Walgi. What's up everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's week 6 in the books. Tyler Walgi to my left, professional better Tyler. What's going on, Will? How you doing? Not too bad. Another week, another day, another dollar. Another dollar. Yeah. Yep, Tyler. That's not how the saying goes. Tyler makes $1 a day. Three hundred and sixty-five dollars per year. It's a lot. It buys a lot of lot of mojo. What what tax bracket that puts you in? (laughs) But uh, you know, another day, another dollar. Fair enough. Big week coming up. Yeah, decent week coming up. Oh yeah, there's a lot of sweet matchups.
0: No Michigan on the agenda today. When I first saw that you didn't have Michigan on there, I was like, the Wolverines have to have a bye. But it's just Illinois. Lowly Illinois this week, right? Yeah. Lovey Smith's
1: Illinois. You're right. Yeah, lovey. No talking about him today, though. I mean, I'm sure we'll right now. bring them up. We'll, we'll bring them up when we kind of do our recap with the Iowa game and everything, at least a little bit. But man, I don't. I don't like to talk about talking them. about it. To be, honest, to be honest with you, it's not fun. But uh, hey, come on, <laughs> they look good last week, man. <laughs> no, I mean last week they, they were good games, though, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. There was some tough one for uh, your Buffaloes. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, man,
0: I had some money on that game too. I thought that. And this is why early in the season you can't get so fixated on who people play. I mean, Arizona right. had not impressed me so far with who they played, but they just played who was on their schedule. And, and I thought CU had a tougher schedule. I thought CU was really going to beat them at home. Bad. Right. I thought four points was not enough. But look, what happens?
1: You know, you we'll learn bet. a little bit more every week. I, you know, I I always talk about like the transitive property when it comes to football because sometimes it's easy the to tra- look at that too. And that that's a uh, it's a math term, Tyler. And I was gonna can't. go transsexual property, but. <laughs> <laughs> no different properties. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> oh, boy, like you know, Arizona lost to Hawaii. So and and you know, CU had beaten Arizona State. It's easy to do that as yeah. a fan. Like when you're, you're when you're playing things out in your mind to be like, well, you know, hey, look, Iowa beat. Iowa State and uh, and Michigan <laughs> beat them. So we're definitely better than Iowa State or whatever. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So, well, I think Michigan is probably better than Iowa State. That's maybe. I don't know. um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, either way, it was still – it was a good weekend. Like, the thing I'm actually – I'm, like, growing really accustomed to these Friday night matchups because I feel like just a few years ago they used to have the bigger matchups on Thursday nights and now they're switching it and now there's usually, like, one good game or one kind of big game on Friday night and we had the – uh, UCF Cincy game, which was super good. It was a close game. Yeah. UCF's dead, uh, end of an era. You could say they can't be a three-time national champion anymore. <laughs> Pretend they're, national they're, champion. Their quest for that is over. Cincinnati takes them down at home. And it's funny because on last week's show, remember how I mentioned in the game breakdown that, uh, Cincinnati was painting their field black. Yeah. So it ended up just being like a PR stunt. So they did it i don't know if they actually even painted the turf or if they just photoshopped it but they tweeted (laughs) it they had tweeted it out from their official twitter account and was like hey check out this field and everyone was super pumped about it it was like a black turf and it had like that would have been really cool eyes yeah and then they had like within two days of course like the day after you and i record the podcast they had to come out and be like oh we're not actually (laughs) playing on that because it is against the rules you were right and but they still got it done at home nippert stadium was uh was, was pretty late. That would have been awesome if they would have done the actual black field. I mean, Yeah, I mean, yeah. like more, you know, we see it with Boise with the Smurf turf, and I think there's a, you think you had mentioned that there's like a northern Iowa or something like that that has red turf? Uh, Eastern uh, Washington. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> one of those. One schools. of those, uh, you know, <laughs> ancillary states. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I think that maybe those schools just got grandfathered in, and then now you're not allowed to change the turf colors. I think your, that's ageism, Will Grand. Uh, it's probably sexism. Why can't it be grandmothered in? Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> grandmothered in. Um, no, that would have been cool. But hey, they get the win. Big yeah. win, Cincinnati. huge win for Cincinnati.
0: How about this? With that win, their last ten games, they now improved to two and eight against the spread against still winning teams.
1: There you go. At home. Hey, you know, the, uh, if Little you want to for your cap, you, you want to. Kill an elephant, or you want to eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? Isn't that what they say? I've never had elephant. You know, I've had gator before. Oh, uh, me too. You ever had Rocky Mountain oysters. I have. Yes. Uh, I don't know. For those that don't know uh, <laughs> what a Rocky Mountain oyster is, maybe it's best described uh, as a bull's testicle. But <laughs> I think that's the only way <laughs> they to describe deep, it. <laughs> they, deep fry, they deep fry them, and uh, yeah, I had them. In, do they uh, do anything
0: to them before deep frying them? Like, what's the preparation?
1: you know i'm not a butcher so i'm not entirely sure but oh, no. I, I i did have them i had them in high school so we're you know we we live in denver and uh our, we went to high school together our high school had a colorado history class is that where you tried them no i tried mine at, like uh where's that where was that place with the slide
0: the restaurant chuck E. cheese no <laughs> it's like a huge they'd cut your tie off
1: oh yeah it was the steakhouse mm. landry's right I, or no, no. What was that place called? Yeah, I remember. It's awful for everyone who's not in Colorado. Interesting. I never went there, but I heard stories about that. it,
0: It was a family steakhouse that was, it had this huge, like, two story slide. Yeah. And you could and throw it like, in the ground. You
1: would wear a tie knowing they would cut it off. That was like yeah. the whole deal, right? Yeah. It was yeah. like fancy. There's peanuts on the ground, all yeah. that stuff. they ate bull's testicles there. Yeah. yeah. Well, they offered them to us in our in our Colorado history class, and of course it wasn't mandatory. They were like, if you want to try that, you can. They let you know what it was in advance. Turns out, look, I mean I'm sure it sounds gross to a lot of people. It tasted like they were deep fried, they tasted like chicken McNuggets. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah. I'm an adventurous eater. I don't know about you. I'm not. I will try pretty much everything.
0: I am too. I just get squirmy with things like that. Which well, yeah. just get
1: the whole testicle part of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's wrong, as Ron White once said, things that make you go,
1: boom. <laughs> <laughs> How did we even get on the subject no of, of uh, bull testicles? <laughs> but anyway, Cincinnati gets the win. Uh, and now they're like squarely in the driver's seat for the AAC, for yeah. the AAC East specifically. Um, yeah, it's a
0: big deal for him. I mean, you win that, and you're looking in the you're in the conversation for a pretty
1: good bowl. Do you think that this could maybe be the first kind of sign of the decline of the UCF program? You know, from being like this, like the best Group of Five team, and they compete with the Power Five, and now maybe without Scott Frost, they're starting to slip. I still want to see how good Scott Frost is. I don't know. Maybe it's just my hatred for ugh,
0: Nebraska. I mean, we saw, good he, we saw how good he was at UCF, right? But, uh, it seems like a lot of coaches have won there. Fucking, what's his name? Uh, who was the ex-coordinator at uh, Defense Coordinator CU? Then he went to Oregon. Oh, um, no, that was South Florida. Jim oh, you Okay, okay, okay. That was okay. U- USF. South that was Florida. Central
1: Florida? Nope, the Bulls. Okay. I, I remember it very well. Okay. He, like, started that football program. So, so no, um, I don't know. I think Scott Frost, look, I think. Honestly, like I, when he first went to Nebraska, I thought to myself, I wonder if he'll ever have a team at Nebraska as talented as he did at UCF. But Just because when you're in Florida, you're just so much closer to recruiting talent. And even though you're competing with the other three big schools in Florida and everyone else you know, poaching the talent there, even still, it's hard to get talent to Nebraska. It's hard to recruit there. And so I almost wonder if he'll ever have a team quite as talented as he did that last year at UCF.
0: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you can get real talent to go to these Florida schools, but um, I
1: just think that every
0: group of five has that one team that's there for a little bit. But to me, it's so tough to sustain. Like Alabama right. and, and the Power and, and the power Five, you can keep getting players to go back, but I think you have to, like, catch lightning in a bottle. Boise State did it. Uh, uh, UCF's now done it. I mean, what other schools have been competing in that maybe TCU uh, yeah, before TCU they got in the before, Big Twelve, yeah, before they Utah before five. they got in the in the, right. the Pac Twelve, so those fringe kind of schools. But I mean, how long did they last?
1: So it's true. Well, maybe that that's just what the future is for UCF is that they're like a Boise State where you know they're going to have a good year here and there, and they and maybe they go undefeated, but they're never going to make a four team playoff, right? Yeah, I mean that could be the case. But that's that's the thing too is once they
0: start opening up those playoffs, it opens everything up for all these different schools to get in. You so. know what?
1: I, I'd love to see UCF in the Big 12, if the Big 12 ever decides to expand. I know lots of teams have been on that list. I get that it doesn't work geographically, but we've already thrown all that shit out the window with realignment before. Right. And so, to me, they'd be like a perfect fit for the Big 12 because they always have an explosive offense and you know, not too much on defense. Yeah, I think they, they just fit in really seamlessly. Yeah, that, that's the next team I think you put in there. But there, there's a lot of teams. I,
0: I think BYU could fit into the Big 12 as well. I mean, I think, you yeah. know, San Diego State could fit into Houston's the Big 12. Houston's probably
1: like the easiest fit, right? Houston. For the Houston's definitely Just the best because it's right there yeah, in Texas. Yeah, for the Big 12. But you're right, Houston's there's a lot of athletic program,
0: they got money. They they're hiring, oh, yeah. I mean, Houston has been kind of on the upward trajectory for the last like like 6 or 7 years it seems like. So right. They're doing good things at Houston, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, did you watch the Michigan State Ohio State game? That was the primetime game. I saw some of it. Okay. I yeah. mean, you didn't have to watch much. Like, it's funny because... Hey, Houston. Or, I mean, <laughs> Houston, Ohio State, man, they're
0: they're real. They're going to kill Michigan this year. They're
1: going to kill everybody. I know. They're, they're going to murder everyone. I mean, it looked like uh, it actually might have been close for like the first quarter, and then oh, Ohio State scored 24 points in the second quarter. That's more than Michigan State's giving up per game, but even looked, including this game where they gave up 34.
0: Look at the standard that we're holding them to. It's like... Oh, they didn't blow them out in the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, of exactly, football, so. exactly. And
1: they beat them thirty-four to ten. They cover the spread. By the way, both the first half and so they're now uh, five and 0 first half spread and four and one uh, against <laughs> this, uh, the spread overall. So crazy. Um, so like they continue to be undervalued in the market. I wonder when that will finally. You know, I know, and that, gonna, it'll depend on who they're playing. I'm sure. But yeah, and that was my question last week. It's like the more. Has
0: the market caught up to how good Ohio State is? I think they're like like historically good.
1: I think that right now they're the only team that if you ask me to pick one team that, y- you know, neutral field, Alabama, who can take them down right now, I'd pick Ohio State and that'd probably be yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, they might be favored against Alabama. I think they're that good. They, they ran, they had 320 rushing yards against Michigan State. And Michigan State's defense is legit. It's one of the best in the country. Six, six yards per carry. Yeah, look, I mean, I think they're
0: right there in the conversation. I don't see another loss on the record for sure. Ohio State's one of those teams, again, like every other year, you can slot them in there. Alabama, Ohio State,
1: probably Clemson this year. They're going to the playoffs. Well, speaking of a team that's not going to the playoffs, it's funny, and I feel like you and I have done this before on this podcast where, like, we talk up a team, and then that (laughs) that week they (laughs) lose. Auburn, Auburn, Florida. Well, you and I were both, like, ready to put Auburn in that top-tier You know, we basically did. We were like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're in that top tier. And then they go and score 13 points at Florida.
0: Well, my main thing wasn't that they scored 13 points, it was their defense. I thought Auburn was going to rely on their defense, going to show. And I understand that Bo Nix was probably going to reach that game where he hit that wall. Right. I mean even in some of these bigger wins this season he had really bad numbers. I think yeah. it was their second or third game of the year. He went like 12 of 19 for like oh just over 100 yards. Yeah, and he had One th- three games.
1: interceptions yeah. and Auburn had four turnovers overall. And I don't even I mean like the defense wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible either. I mean, you give up 24 to Florida in Gainesville. That's not terrible, right? To to you know, to a team like Florida. No, that's But I think you're right. I think it's right now like Auburn just they're going to live or die by Bo Nix, how, how he performs,
0: and it's tough to play in the swamp. I mean, like you said, yeah. it's tough to go down there and get a win. But look, I think that this team is still really good. I think they're just one notch below. I think they're, I think they're as good as Florida. They went to the swamp. It was right. you know. So I think you play that a hundred times, you get some some different outcomes. You play it on a neutral field; it's a much different game.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: by the way, Gus Malzahn. I saw an article that, and we just talked a few weeks ago about how he did start the season on the hot seat. If he had a bad year and he still might have a bad year, question marks will be around him. He's on the list of potential coaches to get this like Redskins job or whatever NFL jobs. Gus Malzon, hmm. he was the first guy, the first listed college. Football. I I thought it was cr-
1: crazy, right? But it says for something who to me. the Redskins would go after, like who Dan Snyder would go yeah, after. Yeah, he was the he was what? the the leader in the in the clubhouse. I don't even. Th- th- how is that even – is it just because they don't think a guy like Lincoln Riley would leave for what, for the Redskins or well, something? I don't know their rationale. How could you pick him for, first of all the college coaches? That's that's the only thing I, I don't get.
0: I think what it says is these NFL teams want to go spread. They want to bring this new
1: weird okay, quirky then, then style him into him the, the NFL. Then not to be an offensive coordinator. Don't, don't make him the head coach. He's right now the lead – and and the I wonder if he has like some kind of association with with uh, Dan Snyder or something I, like that. I don't know. I don't know at all about does, that. That. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like he's a Southern guy. He doesn't He's not. Doesn't fit in well with DC or that that whole culture. Yeah, I don't. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. Look, I, I'm not like I wouldn't consider myself a Gus Malzon hater. I'm not a huge fan either. I, I, I think have, his offenses are great, and I think that if he didn't have a, a, a if this was like Bone Nix's you know, third year, he had a more experienced quarterback. They could easily have won that game, be undefeated still, and be in that conversation. Bo, uh, uh, he's really surprised me this year. I mean, he's actually... Bo Nix, you mean?
0: No, no, no. I didn't mean or to say Gus Bo. Malzahn. Gus Malzahn yeah. It surprised me this year. I actually came into the year with so-so expect or expectations for Auburn. Thinking Gus Malzahn actually, if I going to be 100% honest, I know I've been raving about him last few weeks, I thought he kind of was a, a has-been coming into this year. I thought he was... His tactics were old, outdated. I thought that everyone else had kind of caught up to him. And I'm not sure. Maybe just has a really good defense this year. And maybe that Auburn team is stacked and he hasn't gotten any better. I'm not sure about that. But
1: um, I want to l- –
0: let me pull this up real quick, Will, because – Yeah, I got you.
1: I don't know. Look, I just left – you know what's funny is that, you know, after this game we kind of both agree that Auburn's not in that top tier. But I don't feel like Florida is either. Like, well, I watched this game – and I wasn't like, oh, Florida's for real. They, they finally proved it. Like, I still, you know, I, I'm not a Florida hater either. I don't, I don't really hate Florida, but I still don't feel like they belong in the conversation for the top tier of teams. And I like I, I, For me, it's just like, okay, Florida didn't get exposed this week. When is it coming? Well, it's coming uh, soon. Yeah,
0: I completely agree with that. It's a matter of time. I actually talk about coaches. I would take Gus Malzahn over Dan Mullen. Really? Um, yeah, I think Dan Mullen is... He's known as the quarterback
1: guru. That's
0: what everyone seems to talk about him.
1: Well, his quarterbacks, his like second and third string quarterbacks did play good this game. That's of, for sure. of
0: course, they played well, but I just don't know if he's as good as everyone says he is. Right. He's an all-around head coach. And by the way, I do want to correct myself. Gus Malzahn was first in the notable coaches for for some reason. The article I read only listed notable head coaches being like David Shaw, Nick Saban, I see Gus. So of the notable coaches, quote unquote, he was just the first one. listed. The first listed. one not even the, saying
1: that he was like the no, no, the top no, he, candidate. He
0: actually was fifty to one. Nick Saban was two hundred and fifty to one. And Interesting. Things like, yeah, but. In, in the actual in the actual full list, Eric Bieniemy, the ex CU coach and I believe current Kansas City Chiefs offensive 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 coordinator, coordinator yeah. is listed as the as the favorite at five to two. Behind him, Byron Leftwich, uh, Mike Petton, Todd Bull. See, Greg but Olson. like I
1: wonder how much truth there is in any of those numbers because like for instance, when Michigan got blown out to Wisconsin, not to just make everything about Michigan, but the, the, uh, I can't remember which sportsbook they were already giving odds as to who would be Michigan's head coach next year, and Urban Meyer had like the fourth best odds, and, and everyone but, was like, "Come on, there's literally they, no way he would take the job at Michigan." It's important to remember about t- about futures
0: that that Vegas gives you the best-case scenario for every coach. So what they're doing in a case like that with Urban Meyer is in case some weird, bizarre thing happened, they knew they're going to get money on Urban Meyer, so they just protect themselves by going, oh, yeah, public, you're going to bet on Urban Meyer? Fuck you. We're going to give you the worst price ever. And there's still going to be people who bet on him. So that's... They're the, always gonna the be surprising outrageous. The The thing for that one is it prices. was only
1: like nine to one.
0: But but no <laughs> one holds these books accountable. And that's what's funny, is they hold a monopoly over these prices. So right. what what's typical, you know, for a household is maybe four to five percent. When you look at these kind of bets, like who's gonna win the Heisman or who's gonna be the next coach somewhere, the household, it's it's amazing, folks. It goes from like four or five percent to like forty to fifty percent. I yeah. mean, they screw you with these odds. So yeah, there's no like math to say. Well, if Urban Meyer's this, the next coach should be this. They just screw you with everyone. So yeah, that that that's you know probably good to keep in mind not to make any of those bets unless you have inside information. So. Yeah, for
1: sure. So. Um, well, another one of the big uh, the other big game we talked about it a little bit. You know, Michigan beats Iowa ten three. 3 I was surprised by the Michigan defense. I did not think they could hold Iowa to three points. Um, they held them to. I think just like uh, one rushing yard total after giving up like almost 400 to uh, Wisconsin <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So that was really surprising. But even still, like Michigan can only muster 10 points, and they were all in the first quarter. They, they went scoreless for three straight quarters. And Yeah, I don't think that anyone walks away from that going, boy, Michigan's back. Yeah, no, they're going to get destroyed by Penn State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State, and then they might lose another one. You know, they might lose to Michigan State. They might lose something else too. But I, I really believe that Penn State – Notre Dame and Ohio State will all blow them out. My main takeaway from that game had nothing to do with
0: Michigan or Iowa. My main takeaway from that game is, wow, Wisconsin's pretty good. Like That's what I was thinking watching that game is, how good is Wisconsin this year? That was my thought. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Michigan and Iowa are comparable. I think Michigan's probably a better team. Here's the thing, Will. I think Michigan's slightly below where a lot of people thought they were this year, including myself, especially myself. And I think Wisconsin is just so much better. Maybe I'm getting too high right now on Wisconsin. No, I think you're they're right. Really, really good.
1: Well, they especially no one was really talking about them in the off season, which is like the. By the way, that's the perfect spot for Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Does the best when no one expects anything out of them, and then when they're in a, when they get preseason hype like they did last year, they end up going like eight and four and having a terrible year. Right. So it's like such a Wisconsin thing to do that. How and Wisconsin so, of them will? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then they then they had some cheese curds. They were just doing everything in Wisconsin. You know, it's been a while since I've had, I've had a good cheese curd. Oh man, you know there's. I love Have cheese you ever curds. been to Culver's? The fast food, the burger joint. Not since I lived in Greeley. There's one uh, down here. There's one. It's by Outback though. So every time I go, it's oh a, yeah. You are you an Outback I guy. <laughs> I love you, Outback. You love Australia. I do. Uh huh. I, I would say why, but it
0: maybe get me in trouble on the air. So I just love Outback. You you are an Outback
1: guy. That you Australia. always have been.
0: Out no rules, just right, mate. But you, so
1: you know, there's a Culver. So you should get yes, some cheese curds sometime there. They're I'm delicious. Sure. That's I love me. that place. Yeah. Um, a couple other notes I just had. How about B- Baylor and Minnesota both five and zero? Oh. I don't know wow. how many people would would have picked that. It's not like Minnesota's had that tough of a schedule, but still they're 5-0, Baylor's 5-0. It doesn't – I always get mad, so I'm about to – by the way, I'm about to do what I'm getting mad
0: at people for. I always get mad when people on these gambling shows, like on ESPN or something, go, oh, I had this and this and this, and it's like, well, so what, you didn't give it out? It's kind of the same thing here. You know how many times this year I've been so close to taking Baylor and I just didn't because I got scared last second. Yeah, I, was about I do to the make, same thing. I was about to make Baylor my best bet last week, <laughs> and I'm just like, no. Who'd they play? It was uh, I, I uh, Iowa State. I think. I think it was. Two. No,
1: no, they played uh, Iowa State was two weeks ago. This week they played. Oh yeah, look it up for me because they did play Iowa State a couple weeks ago. I think it was Kansas State. Yeah, and, and they, they were they hammered them. Didn't uh, yeah, they?
0: they're thirty-one twelve, and I think they were plus three on the road. And I'm like, this, I, I got to take Baylor here. I got scared, like a little girl, and I haven't made a penny on Baylor this year for having that opinion. So I guess it's a good point, folks. If you have an opinion, try and make money. You know, if you're well, not making
1: money off of it, what is what but good But now you're going to be even more scared to bet on them because now... Because the market's cut up. Exactly. exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so now it's almost unbetting. Because now if you just, bet on
1: them, it'll go, it'll swing the other way. Yeah, so I've I'm, I'm just
0: beat myself up over Baylor this year. But it doesn't matter any because, hey, they're I haven't done anything. I haven't talked about them on here, but...
1: Yeah, they're, they're,
0: it's driving me crazy.
1: Great job by Matt Rule, uh, who he came rules. in, and, and I mean, like he looked. The I think that the program is still dealing with NCAA sanctions from are they from everything that went down <laughs> with Art Briles. Briles. Um I think that it's like they. I, I think they might still be dealing with scholarship issues. Um, Old man Briles, but for him to take over that program that was in terrible shape and then now get them back, like honestly, Baylor, Baylor if they were to be able to beat a team like Texas, they could actually play in the big 12 championship game against Oklahoma. I don't know if they can win, but they could be that second team. If especially if let's say Texas loses to Oklahoma this week, and then Baylor beats Texas well, boom. Now Baylor's in the driver's seat to play oklahoma in the big 12 championship game
0: yeah, i was thinking that today but here's what happens is every week we come in here and i'm all excited about a team and then they lose <laughs> right. baylor's toughest part of their schedule still awaits them they yeah. have to go on the road to oklahoma state that's going to be a very difficult game they go on the road to tcu that's going to be a more difficult game than people think they host oklahoma they host texas they got a lot of difficult games coming up so they could be right now i mean i think they are having that Mass, that that very quick culture shift. I just don't know if it's gonna be enough this year. If I still had to pick a team, honestly, Will, I'm going Oklahoma State to play OU. they've lost two in a row? I know, I know. But I think that Texas loses this week and I think they'd start to I think they lose one more. Give me the pokes, man. Interesting. But I even
1: still, I like I feel like Baylor could beat Oklahoma Oklahoma State is just like so their their defense is well, so they, terrible. And, they, and then they the teams are just forcing Whatever, what's the quarterback's name for the Cowboys again? Um, uh, Spencer or something, right? Uh, Spencer Sanders, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. he They're forcing him to to, to throw, and they're they're doubling up yeah, on Tylan Wallace. They're trying to take Chuba Hubbard out of the game, uh, and I, I I th- d- it's, it's it's working. It's effective. I do want to clarify. They lost
0: to Texas, then beat Kansas State, and then lost to Texas Tech. So it wasn't the two in a row. Who are can- you talking about? Uh, Oklahoma, oh, Oklahoma State. State yeah, right. there, there was that game in the middle there. That's right. But again, you look at schedules, and not to make this all about the Pokes, they they have a bye week this week and then they play Baylor so they get to prep for Baylor for two weeks. Is that's that gonna, at home or on the road. That is at home. That's in, okay. in Stillwater. That,
1: that'll be a big one.
0: And then they go to Iowa State. I think that's a win. They host TCU, host Kansas, H- West Virginia. I think all those are wins. I truly believe if they beat Oklahoma State, excuse me, if they beat Oklahoma at the end of the year, which is in Stillwater, very doable. They have a rematch the I following week.
1: I, I, I would have picked them to beat Texas Tech, and they didn't do that. So you never know at this point.
0: Well, Will,
1: <laughs> Will we don't know these things. No, we know everything. Uh. We're always right. <laughs> um,
0: uh, they say that I am the master handicapper. Are you? I
1: am the master packer. So you never know, Will. <laughs> master packer, master capper. It's all. Yeah, this, it's right there in the same category. More syllables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> did you have any more notes from week six? Any other games you wanted to touch on?
0: Uh, n- w- no, not that have to do with football. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then what do they have to do with? Let's so, just go over it. So we talked a, co- a couple weeks ago about the food updates during yeah. the Auburn A&M game.
1: Did you see something you liked?
0: No, I have my own food update.
1: Oh, okay. It's, it's a bit of a food. You just learned about quinoa. No, I'm not a big quinoa <laughs> fan, though. It's weird.
0: It's a weird thing. What is it, like a seed or a food? Like or a grain, technically. It's, it's weird. It's like kind of like rice. I don't trust quinoa. <laughs> Uh, but all right so have you heard of like food hacks yeah i think this is one of those now take notes everyone i don't know if this this may be commonplace everyone may do this this may be no new news or i may have stumbled on something cheese and then add stuff. not no. so fast <laughs> when you're making mac and cheese
1: okay this is really about mac and cheese this is really about you're mac gonna and give cheese. give us a food hack about mac and cheese the <laughs> easiest thing in the world to make this is exciting all
0: right so here's what you do And this is only for the box mac and cheese. (laughs) Actually making it with, like, real cheese. I didn't know I was ever doing this wrong. So here's the thing. Is instead of doing it normally, right, where you put all the... You only put in about half to three-fourths of the pasta, so it's cheesier. Less pasta and the same amount of cheese equals
1: more cheese. It's cheesier mac and cheese. I don't know if this qualifies as a hack. (laughs) I think that what you're just describing is how to make mac and cheese cheesy. Oh, no, there
0: you go i'm just look well we're just trying to make the lives of everyone listening a, what a little waste bit better of good
1: pasta though
0: don't, what's don't your don't brand are there? you a
1: craft guy do you do like the spongebob mac and uh, cheese velvita oh nice yeah. shells wow. i like the shell you I are like the shell a classy man cheese. that's, a, that's if hell? you had I mean, said annie's about. i would have approved of that too so mm. well well very impressive mm. so there you go that that's all i got really okay Cool. I didn't have any thoughts on mac and cheese prepared. Um, oh well. You want to play some headline predictor? Right, let's do it. Okay. So you destroyed me in this a headline few weeks predictor. Ago, I and did. I actually have a couple that I like here, and I'm gonna go first with this one because I'm afraid oh, you that got you headlines. have some headlines. Yeah, I have some. Oh, folks. Uh, and I'm gonna go first because this one I'm afraid you have something similar, and I want to beat you to a punch. Okay. My first headline predictor for what we will see in the yes. headlines after this week's games, after week seven. Next week we will see a headline that says "Hertz it? Oh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts gonna light up the scoreboard. He's gonna score a lot. I think Oklahoma wins the game. Hurts don't it? Okay, what do you got? Give me hit me well, with one of yours. I'll start. I'll start there. <laughs> yours let, are gonna be so much better let, than mine.
0: Let's start in the. Well, I mean, like I think you're. I think you're putting the Hurts. I gotta get this correct here. I think you're putting the Hurts on the correct thing there. So uh-huh. let's go. Jalen puts the hurt on Texas. Oh, kind of similar
1: there, except his name is Hurts. So, yeah, exactly. you know, mine was better, <laughs> probably. Uh,
0: <laughs> and then this one, Lincoln Riley is super smiley after the win. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come on, that's that's gold, Jerry. Uh, see, I think like you just function on an entirely different wavelength. When I was going through this game, I, nothing like that would have ever popped into my head. I could I could think about it for ten years. I never would have. S- Said Riley and Smiley. Let's make that rhyme. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that's well. pretty good. All right, I it's got a good it. one. Uh, too frosty to row the boat. No, Nebraska gonna pull <laughs> off the upset against Minnesota. Oh, they won't be able to no, row the boat. No, they not because it's too frosty to row the boat. I don't Sorry, have one gophers. for that. I don't well, have one for that. There we go. So we'll have to leave it up to the listeners to, to decide who won that. that yeah, one. let us know on Twitter. I kind of feel like I might have beat you that time. At CFB Weekly. Yeah, you'll find us. All right. What you got to what is that all you have? That's all I have. Oh, I just make up plenty more. Oh, I got, you I have got more tons more. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Oh, okay. I got I got I can uh, make up one. All right, go ahead. Tell me something. Right,
0: so let's go next to <laughs> uh the AM game. A and M is playing Alabama this week. Texas A and M Alabama. Jimbo Fisher excuse me, Jimbo fishing for answers as AM gets hooked at home. <laughs> A little fishing there, a little fishing puns. Come on, this is so bad. All right, uh, LSU and Florida, big game this this week. Huge uh, two game. top ten teams in the SEC. Dan Mullen wants to burrow into a hole as LSU chomps the Gators. That's a long headline. I that's going to take a up a lot of space. That's like a New York Daily Post headline. Yeah, it's one of the long ones. Yeah, it's a lot of a I, lot of surface area. I have three headlines for the Notre Dame oh USC game. Okay, <laughs> these are all for Notre Dame USC. Notre Dame molds the Trojans like clay. Clay Helton, <laughs> head coach of USC. Uh, my next one, Helton. All right, so this is assuming Clay Helton gets fired. Yeah, at, uh, solid mid, assumption. Mid-game, right? Helton gets fired mid-game. <laughs> the headline, Helton checks into the Hilton at halftime.
1: Mm, clay Helton. That no one I'm not on liking. T- I don't like that one. You're, you, you could do better, Tyler. Not, not your best work. And
0: then last, I... Uh, so Matt Fink is their backup quarterback. Yeah. If something happens and he's the holder for the game-winning field goal and they miss it. This is quite an if. Laces out, Finkel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that one's very <laughs> good. The Lace Ventura. Man, you just really you, – you, I, I wonder – I'd love to just sit and watch your thought process on this when you're coming up with these. I have
0: one more. <laughs> Washington goes on the road to Arizona this week. I yep. believe it's Pac-12 after dark. Maybe not. I might be wrong about that. Washington at Arizona. The headline, don't worry, Washington, I got burned in Arizona, too. <laughs> uh,
1: that's you, it. Yep. All that's right. it's my, so well. my headlines, Will. I spoke too soon. I was like, I won that one. And then Tyler <laughs> brought, brought out with like six more. So, oh, bummer. There you go. That's tough. Special thanks once again to Wise Money Sports. Wise Money Sports is a unique service where you can get a conglomerate of professional bettors that offer their picks, their best bets across a wide variety of sports, uh, basketball, hockey, football, soccer, tennis, anything you can imagine, uh, futures, uh, you know, teasers, any kind of bet you can really imagine. Uh, and not just that, you can also get a one-on-one consultation with a sports broker. So make sure you check them out online at wisemoneysports.com and on Twitter at WisemoneySports. WisemoneySports. All right, Tyler, we're going back to another segment that we've grown quite fond of here. Oh, I love this segment. Uh, Hi, I want six tickets to Asses of Fire. Asses of Fire. We got the hottest (laughs) seats, the hottest asses from all the coaches. And I don't think this is going to take too long because you mentioned earlier that you, it sounds like you think that Clay Helton. Is going to be the first to get the axe.
0: He's my number one right now on the on the hot seat. And what I was looking for to bring into the show were current odds, and it's really difficult to find odds that that any book has put up. I looked everywhere in Vegas, bookmaker, Bet Online, Bet DSI. Some of the books notorious for putting futures out there. I can't find anything live as of this week for updated odds for who, who's going to be fired.
1: So I don't have that. I don't have. But, Do you think that that's just because there's too many factors? It's too unpredictable.
0: I honestly think because I spend... That seems like something
1: where you could have insider knowledge and
0: and give out a line, right? It does seem like that. I spend all day checking the market. I mean, I'm I'm on, it seems like every couple hours at least, just checking these things. And it's funny because you hear all the time on ESPN or Fox Sports or wherever, oh, the recent odds for the coach. And those are almost impossible to find. It's so The same thing happens in the Super Bowl, right? You hear about all these odds for like, the national anthem length or what right. color the, the, the someone's going to be wearing at halftime and you can find it at like one book in china so that's happens with a lot of these bets is it's not standard to offer which coach is going to be fired first it's fun to talk about on sports center right. but it's really not a real bet that's out there for conventional for conventional fans so but
1: clay helton would be your choice now i would it.
0: have clay helton as my number one yeah what, I, what do me you too think?
1: i think the exact, I, honestly i think that usc is going to lose to Notre Dame. like they might get blown out and i think that he's fired by sunday i think but sunday we'll see in an, if they lose and especially if they get blown out he's fired by sunday and honestly you look at the other coaches like there's there's other coaches i have coaches three, three names okay cuz i was thinking jeremy pruitt too, at tennessee he's my number 2 coach he's one and four uh and tennessee has
0: standards like tennessee's one of those programs to where i think of tennessee and i haven't as they should be Competitive in football. Right. It shouldn't be Alabama, but right. the third
1: Sunday in October, right.
0: Alabama, Tennessee. They could be like what Florida be. is. Exactly, right. exactly. That should be the standard.
1: Yeah, but the, the only thing that holds you back from ex- just expecting him to get fired, obviously, the results kind of call for it, but it's that it's only his second season, and Tennessee has just gone through this cycle of hiring and firing coaches so quickly that I wonder if they're going to say we're going to give this guy more time. Uh, and 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 let him stick it out and hope to see some improvement at least in year three. I
0: don't know. See, I think there's too good of an opportunity for a good headline here. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt really did, or Jeremy Pruitt Pruitt blew it, or something like that. You're still
1: playing headline predictor. I'm still stuck in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that you have to fire him if you can come up
0: with a headline like that,
1: man. All right, so then we'll see because my third uh, coach here is Chip Kelly, UCLA. No, I have Willie Taggart as my third still. I'm, I'm, UCLA yeah. lost Oregon State. They're 1-5. Uh, and five. Their only w- one win was they came down from 30 points. Yeah. So they, they could be 0-5 right now. And honestly, I'm not sure
0: they're going to get to three or four wins. I think I overlooked Chip. I'd probably have Chip above Willie Taggart on here. And okay. again, it's the same kind of thing with Tennessee. UCLA, I don't think of them as a great football school, but they have high standards in, in Los Angeles. And let's not forget this. The athletic director now of any college in America, it's not so much about the sports as, as, as it is about being a good businessman. That's what a lot of these colleges are looking for to bring in as an AD. At UCLA right now, they're competing with USC. They're competing with the city of Los Angeles. I mean, I heard last week they had the lowest attendance in the history of UCLA football for stadium attendance. Yeah, for like percentage of stadium at attendance. Last week. they were so, giving
1: away tickets for the Oklahoma game earlier. Yeah, so I mean, so, literally I, giving them away. Yeah, I'd probably have Chip Kelly there. Interesting. Chip, yeah. And yeah, see the the reason why I actually I'd put him above Pruitt is that uh, at least it seems like the players at Tennessee like Jeremy Pruitt. I, Chip Kelly has a repu- has had a reputation now for many years as players really don't like playing for him. He's Good kind of a guy. he's kind of like a crack the whip kind of guy and it doesn't mean that that they won't like it if he's having success, but uh I want to say that he hasn't had a winning season as an NFL head coach since his last year at Oregon. And he, uh, he yeah, never had a winning uh, season in the coach. NFL. He never had one in the NFL and then he hasn't had one in college since his return either.
0: Yeah, wow. How about that? I mean, yeah. wh- why do you think that is? You know, a lot of people talk about the games passed him by, but I don't believe that for a second. Look at guys like John Gruden. I mean, I know he saw a lot to prove with the Raiders, but at least he's winning games and being competitive. I think he saw a Mac Brown going to North Carolina. I think the whole narrative that, well, if you've been out of coaching for a long time, the game passes you by... Since when? I mean, if I was a coach, I would just adapt, look to bring new things in. It's only when you become stubborn and rigid and unwilling to right. change that these these things happen. So I'm not in the locker room. I don't. I'm not in the, the quarterback room. But I would be. As, I would be willing to assume that what's happening to Chip Kelly is just that he's stubborn, not changing the way he's always done things. Right. Everyone's caught up.
1: Yeah, I just think that when he first jumped on the scene, I mean, you know, there were a couple teams kind of running a bit of a spread. Uh, when he took over at Oregon. But what they weren't doing was a spread and the hurry-up. And so he actually took advantage of it. There was a, it was a rule change in the NCAA because for a while, the play clock wouldn't start ticking until... like uh, they, they changed something the, uh, with the rules about when the play clock starts, starts going. And so what that did is it, it, it allowed a new opportunity for teams to run no huddle. Before, you really couldn't do that. You couldn't run a no huddle kind of legally like that you couldn't rush up there and hike the ball as fast as you could um I, I don't know if it was a substitution rule or if it was something specifically with the play clock but his system took advantage of that so it wasn't just that he did a spread it was that he was doing it with that up-tempo offense he was one of the pioneers of the of the up-tempo no huddle offense and so i think that he had an edge for so long and then now everyone is doing that that's that's everywhere in college ball so he could still very well be a good coach, and maybe it's not even his system. It's a combination of you know his system. No, he doesn't have the edge that he had anymore, and then you combine that with the fact that he doesn't have great talent. Uh, his, system, you know, his system is no longer new age. Everyone's used to seeing it, and so he doesn't have any fancy wrinkles you to know, show to people. To, to compare that to sports betting, which is obviously why I'm here, um,
0: that happens a lot when, when I talk to old-school sports bettors who have been doing this for 20, 30 years. A good example here is yards per play. That's one of the old school stats that some of these handicappers would look at, and it'd be really telling of these college and NFL teams, yards per play. Now, every square handicapper in the world knows about yards per play. Right. So before when it used to be an edge, now it's not some more because everyone uses it. So it's yeah. sort of that you're using something, but now that everyone else is using it, well, that's fine. Just find new areas, new stats, things like that. Chip Kelly hasn't done so. So I, th- I think you're right. I think that, but the question is, Does Chip Kelly adjust? Does he want to change? Does he want to be a coach? Like it seems like if I'm fighting for my job, like Jim Horbaugh, look what he did. He brings in a new offensive court. At least he's doing something, right? So you would expect to see this these acts of desperation from Chip Kelly. I never met the guy. Maybe he's just so it sounds like Nick. he's just
1: got a big ego, and he thinks that oh, I I can do this. I'm the you know I'm the big guy on campus. I've done it before. We'll do it my way, and it'll work eventually. Yeah, but you're cool. right. It, like when you look at the opposite of Jim Harbaugh, and, you know, look, it might not have been a good decision for him to hand over the offense to this new doing young dude. But at least he you know he was willing to identify his own faults and say I got to adapt to this. And I don't think Chip Kelly's doing any of no, that. No, I don't either. So yeah, I I put Chip up there for sure. Okay, um, chipped
0: off the old L A block. <laughs>
1: Who do you think, like, so if you're, let's say you are uh, USC, um, okay. Besides Urban Meyer, who I think is the obvious choice, like who who do you go after? Who who would be just God, top, dude. you know, top right off the top of your head? I know we didn't prepare for this. Who would be on like your short list of I want I'm going to go hire that guy? And obviously you can't say Nick Saban, Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day because those guys already have premier jobs. So you right? can't say well, premier jobs. Say, Can I say less miles? yeah you can but i don't think you want to you think he's too antiquated to go to usc i mean he wasn't working at lsu i don't know why he'd work at usc um i, Matt, I, I don't Matt doubt campbell that some of that's these a, younger coaches uh,
0: uh sonny dykes um, Where's Sunny Dykes? Or no, not I'm thinking of Cal's old coach. Uh, who's Cal's coach now? Justin Wilcox. Justin Wilcox. <laughs> Sonny yeah, that might Dykes. not be a bad choice. I got into a time man, That'd, a hot that'd time be a time
1: gut punch for Cal if you lose your head coach right, at USC. to USC. I know, man. Um, but
0: if I had to guess, I mean, probably one of those. If if it's not Urban Meyer, one of those young and up and comers. Um, you know, I don't know who would be good for you. It has to be flashy. That's the thing with right. USC. You need a big hire. I, I thought Clay Helton was the worst hire man i remember i went on the next day on radio and i was i was like this is not usc like this right certain coaches fit the description like yeah keep, alabama i mean nick saban is alabama that is yeah. that football program, Pete program Carroll fit
1: usc exactly. perfect he was like they, a star he had like these hot young girlfriends in <laughs> la and stuff
0: that's what that's what they need some grandpa yeah. who's dating Nicole, they need a stud they need like
1: and, a star But really what they just need is someone who can get the job done because then if you're just winning games, they'll become like an L.A. star. You may laugh at this. He's had success. He fits the mold. Don't say... Wait. I'm trying to think about who you're going to say here. (laughs) This is is freaking me out. Hmm. Are you going to say... All right. Is he an active coach? Oh, yeah. In college football or NFL? College. College. And... Give me you're, one you're gonna, hint. You're gonna
0: laugh at this. Give me a hint. You play to win the game. Oh, Herm, dude, that'd be
1: great. Wouldn't actually. it be? Yeah. He's high. He's everyone knows him. He's a star. Oh, he he's clearly onto can, something. Clearly can coach football. He can recruit too. He's got the cachet. Yeah. Like uh, players know who he is. Hire H- good high school staff, players.
0: Turn them around. That
1: honestly is like a really good answer. Hey, yeah, there we go. Herm at, at USC could kill people. I mean, he's already doing well at Arizona State. It's hard to recruit there. That's what I'm saying. Interesting, because I always play that game. You know, I I do the what ifs with Michigan because I, I do wonder if Harbaugh will survive. It may not this be year. such a what if, you know. <laughs> right? But like I, I, I think about who you know who my first choice would be, and then who is realistic. And like personally, I I think for either school, if you were USC or if you were at like a school like Michigan, if if you have to hire a head coach, the guy who I'd go after, who I don't think would take the job, I I would want Kyle Whittingham, the Utah coach. I would throw everything at that guy, but I just don't think he'd leave
0: more than Chris Peterson at at Washington. Because I think those are the two.
1: I would. You're right. I would take, but I don't. I think Chris Peterson's a lot. uh, I think he's settled at Washington. You know, he's turning that into a into a big program to where he doesn't really feel like he's going to need to take another step up. But you know what? Maybe that's not a. You think he would leave Washington for USC because that is still somewhat a step up, even though Washington is a good, a really good school. See. I think to answer that, you have to get in the mind,
0: right? Because the question is what does he want? I've heard a lot of great things about Washington. It's a beautiful place to live, you know, great community. You know, it's, 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 it's. it's great state taxes. There's right. a lot of benefits to being in Washington. So I don't know what he's going for. Is he ready to retire there, finish his career? Or does he want to take that next step does up? Does he want
1: a national championship? If he
0: does want that and wants the next step, I mean, he would be a good fit. But is he flashy enough? Does he fit that oh, USC? Oh, yeah, he is.
1: He's like a handsome, you know, like uh, like oh, well. pe- people like him. He-, he does really well with the media. He seems like a really friendly guy. And you're right. Like a lot of people didn't think he'd ever leave Boise State. But I think he kind of realized, like, I can only go so far with Boise state. And now maybe he's realizing the highest I can go with Washington is yeah, I can get us to a playoff and then get my teeth kicked in by Alabama or Clemson or who or Ohio state or whatever. And now maybe he's saying if I go to USC, I could actually have a national championship squad, which I think he could. I mean, he's been to Bo- from Boise to Washington. It just seems like he
0: seems like one of those like coaches who's just content, you know, he just wants to roll up his sleeves and probably, I don't know. But if there was a coach and he wanted to go, you I think he happen. could win
1: a national championship. at Southern I, I
0: don't doubt that for a second. I think if he went to USC, I mean, you have to also think about how bad the Pac-12 has been. I don't see that this conference turning around anytime quickly. Right. You
1: get him next year, I think the window is wide open for the Trojans. And USC's got the money. They could throw some big stuff at him. They do, they do. That would hurt for Washington because they lost Sark. S- I know, it's a USC. way. <laughs> so that would be tough. All right, you want to uh, do some week seven games? Let's do it. All right, first up, Virginia-Miami. Virginia goes on the road to good Miami. Game, good game, Yeah, this should be a really good game. Uh, right now, Miami's a one-point favorite. So Miami's 2-3, and three, and it's been really disappointing for them. Uh, they only have wins right now against Bethune-Cookman in them. Central Michigan. Yeah, you're a big Bethune-Cookman <laughs> guy, or Bethune-Cookman. I can't even say it because no one cares about them. And then they lose. They've got losses to Florida, that Week 0 game where neither team looked good. They lost at North Carolina, and then this last Saturday they lose to Virginia Tech at home—a really bad Virginia Tech team too. And you, then you look at like Jaron Williams is questionable to return. Nikosi Perry will probably be starting at quarterback. He filled in last week, and he didn't look too great. And then you look at Virginia on the other side, and they've got wins at Pittsburgh—a solid win. They beat Florida State at home. I just think that they're you know, and then they have the loss to Notre Dame, which was by I think. 15 points total, but still their resume is a lot stronger when you compare Virginia to Miami and Virginia's defense, they're only giving up 21 points per game Miami's offense, they've struggled to score against Florida, North Carolina, and they even struggled against Central Michigan, so how are they going to be able to score against Virginia? I just think that also Virginia has such a coaching advantage with Bronco Mendenhall over Manny Diaz, I'd pick Mendenhall in uh, in that game any day What's interesting, though, that I was looking at is that football outsiders still has Miami rated higher than Virginia with their rating system. Really? Yeah, and their rating, they take into account things like efficiency, explosiveness, field position, strength of schedule, all that. But all that being said, I I just can't, I can't trust Miami here. I don't know why you would trust Miami when you've seen what they've done all year. And so, I think Virginia is the better team. I almost kind of feel like they're a little underrated. And for them to be getting a point here against Miami on the road, I think I'm leaning Virginia.
0: Yeah, I think that last week, you see the offensive line struggles that Virginia clearly had against Notre Dame. That was more of a one-off than what we can expect from them this season. Notre Dame's a very good team. They can exploit the best of offensive lines. And thankfully for Virginia, Miami has little to no pass rush. Yeah. I know that defense has created turnovers, and that gets more attention because of the turnover chain, which... You know, that's debatable how much that actually does for that team. I think it, it doesn't just, do anything. <laughs> I think that... It doesn't do anything in terms of, it doesn't create more turnovers, but I think that it's a real thing in terms of getting them fired up. I mean, these are teenage kids, when they finally get that turnover, you see the life on the sideline. It's like incentivizing. A little bit, yes, for these kids, but I don't think that's near enough to overcome how good Virginia is, and I do think there's a bit of an overreaction last week. The narrative going into that game, Virginia, Notre Dame, look, let's see how how good the Cavaliers really are. This is their first real test of the season, and you know, you could do this for every game, but you take away that fumble for for, for a touchdown, right. that changed everything. I very think true. Virginia's a lot better than the final score indicated last year. You take into account Miami's not going to pressure Bryce Perkins. I think Virginia looks good on the road. Plus their last four road games in Miami, Virginia's 4-0 against the spread. And that's a very important stat because folks, you go back and look at Virginia on the road, and this has not been a good Virginia team. I always talk about Let's not look at trends if it's not applicable for this year's team. And I think you're talking about Bronco Mendenhall, Bryce Perkins. Uh, this is a different Virginia team. So you look at the fact that they're 5-29, and straight up, not against the spread, 5-29 and their last 34 on the road. This is not a good road team. But even in that window with the old team that was far behind this Virginia team, even with those stats and with that bad road record, they were 4-0 against the spread on the road in Miami last four games. They play well in Miami with a far inferior team. How do you think they're going to do with, in my opinion, a comparable, if not slightly better, team? Give me Virginia. Uh, I think they cover the spread here.
1: Yeah, and so it's interesting because you bring up those, and I think you know you and I maybe look at things differently sometimes. I put a lot into into past trends, and so obviously those numbers you give out about Virginia on the road against spread, but you also have to look at that through the lens of. Virginia was a really bad team, and now they're finally kind of getting it together under Bronco Mendenhall, right?
0: But but here's the thing, is if Michigan... Well, and Michigan's a bad example because Michigan has that high standard of of quality. If CU, the University of Colorado Buffaloes, right? If they hire Urban Meyer tomorrow and they sign a five-star quarterback to come in or maybe get a a Juco transfer that's similar to, to Justin Fields, I know this would never happen, but in this example, CU next year you would not use the last couple of years' stats. Right. right? So because CU it's a totally was, different team. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that's just coaching quarterback. And I think Bronco Hall Bryce Perkins, warrants enough change to where you look back at the last few years and go I'm throwing a lot of that out the window. For
1: sure. And just their results in the field this year. I mean, they have looked really tough. And you're right. That Notre Dame loss. Like that actually almost that, they came away from that. No one was thinking, wow, Virginia is not as good as we thought they were. Right. I think that everyone just kind of agrees that Notre Dame's a great team and so, we're both on the same page here. I really like Virginia.
0: Miami, though, I think their stats can be applicable year after year. Miami's 2-7 and seven against the spread. Their last nine against ACC opponents. Yeah. So, they've underperformed in conference. They're struggling. Yeah. And Manny yeah.
1: Diaz might be on that ass-as-a-fire list. That's Not, that's not true. too long. Yep. So All right, Very next true. up, the Red River Rivalry, a game I am traveling to. I, had to. I had to Dallas on Friday. I'm so excited. So, you know, there's a lot of rivalry games, a lot of big stadiums that are kind of on my bucket list, and... I've been to a Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, now I'm going to the Red River Rivalry. Past that, like I'm trying to think of the best rivalry games that will still be on my list. Like Iron, the Iron Bowl for sure. The Army Navy game is one I'd like to see one day. Uh, but this is just another big one that I'm really excited to go to and check it out. So I didn't know this until recently, but the Cotton Bowl, where they play this game in Dallas, is dead center of the uh, Texas Fairgrounds where they. And it's always it always takes place during the texas state fair so it's okay. wild There's going to be like deep okay. fried everything all, all good <laughs> food you know people are going to be drinking having a good time i'm really excited to go to this one so i will be there that'll uh, be fun man yeah o- oklahoma 10 point favorites right now versus texas so neutral site in dallas uh o- 75 and a half over under that's <laughs> big <laughs> that's really big ha- before we like are you gonna bet that at all will you no, even no, touch no, no, a I'm number understand. like that
0: well if I, think there's va- if I think there's value, right? Look, look, look if you think there's going to be, if you're projecting, you know, there's going to be 70 points scored, you take the under. If you right. t- if you're projecting there's going to be 80 points scored, you take the over. So, you know, I get asked that a lot with those big lines, but it's still down to projections, right? So. Okay, that
1: makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I think that it's high for good reason. You've got Oklahoma's offense is nuts. Jalen Hurts has been incredible. Lincoln Riley just continues to to Lincoln prove everybody Riley. wrong. Because I even before this year, I I definitely knew that. Oklahoma would have success with Jalen Hurts. I didn't think that Lincoln Riley could get him to throw like this. I mean, he's looked incredible. He, he's he's firmly, I think he's in that like top three group for Heisman stuff right now, Jalen Hurts is.
0: But the question is, and I'm not trying to be negative Jalen Hurts. Right now, if I make Heisman odds, he's top three. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, to me... If you can throw a football and go to Oklahoma, that dude, Lincoln Riley, is going to turn you into a really good quarterback.
1: He's going to make you millions. He should get a cut off all their rookie deals. But Baker
0: Mayfield and Kyler Murray are now starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So And and, and the verdict is still out, folks. I know the Browns aren't great this year. I don't want to hear it's because Baker Mayfield's a bad quarterback. In my opinion, the verdict is still out on Mayfield. The verdict is certainly still out on Kyler Murray. Right. So... It's it's just an interesting question, you know. Which came first, the chicken
1: or the egg? The Lincoln right.
0: chicken or the quarterback egg? You know, <laughs> well, all the. Well, if you had to guess, what would you say it is? I would, if I had to guess, I would probably say it's leaning towards these quarterbacks are really good because it is Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley probably is good enough to take him over the top. But I don't know. What would I, you dude, say? I'm starting to give Lincoln the, Riley the credit. I,
1: I think that if you're gonna like split it, you know, let's start at 50 If it's the quarterback versus Lincoln, I think that you. I think I'd skew it a little bit more towards Lincoln. I really mm. think this guy could take anybody and turn them into like a Heisman front runner. If 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 his system is just incredible. If Jalen Hurts struggles in the NFL or gets drafted late, I think that's
0: certainly the case that it
1: is Lincoln. Yeah. Very well could be. I mean, look, they're they're the number 2 scoring offense in the country right now. Well, they're not number 1, never mind. No, they're not number 1. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're right. Lincoln sucks. Uh nice. but hot seat. The real story is their improved defense. So right now they're ranked 25th in scoring defense, you know, traditionally the last I don't know, the last, like, six years, I feel like, with Oklahoma, they've always had a, a really strong offense which is, and a terrible defense. Which is weird because Bob Stoops is a defensive guy. He started that way, yeah. But I think the Big 12 kind of, you know, changes that. He but
0: changed him for the – but he's still a defensive guy. He was, he was co-defensive yeah.
1: coordinator's the last couple of years. But th- that being said, they haven't really played – uh, Oklahoma really hasn't played anyone super great. This will be their first – their defense's first real test when you look at the Texas offense is great. I love Sam Ellinger. I'm a big fan of Tom Herman. I think that their offense is great. I think they're going to both score points here. You know, I don't have a bet for the over-under, but I do think both teams will score points. But what's really concerning for me is Texas is without their leading uh, tackler on defense, Cade Stearns, and about 50 other defensive players. When you look at their injury report, the list is like five pages long. That's a terrible sign when you consider Texas is already giving up 325 passing yards per game right now. The last time they saw an elite offense – uh, the last time we saw an elite offense play the Longhorns, Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers threw for four touchdowns and put up 500 and he almost put up 500 yards. Right. And the bad news, Oklahoma's offense might be even better than LSU's. But but my question is and I didn't watch a ton of that
0: LSU Oklahoma or uh, Texas game. Uh-huh. How much was Texas trying to stop the LSU run? Because
1: no. I think that
0: what people do—that that wasn't it.
1: No, I mean it, it was—it was clear that but, Joe Burrow was just picking them apart, and, and there but, was nothing they could do to stop it. But, uh,
0: was it any? Was there any? They were worried about LSU's running game because I think LSU—if you—if you're—if you're, if you're going to rank right now, how scared you are of running games, LSU has to be top fifteen in the, in the nation, while Oklahoma has to be like maybe like. Twenty to thirty. I don't know. I think that LSU has transitioned into so, a passing so, offense. So that's fine. So, uh, so the answer maybe is maybe you could say
1: that if that was like the first half and so then the it answer came is no. Yeah, so the answer no. was it was Joe Burrow. Yeah. If that's
0: the case, that changes honestly a lot of my handicap for this game. Yeah, it, I mean, d- it does because again I'm not I'm not as to you're, you're a college football expert. You watch like every game every weekend, Nola. I didn't catch a lot of that game, so. My thinking was, look, I think Texas is a great team. This is a rivalry game. How Ten points. Do we not learn? It seems like every year there's one or two rivalry games where the narrative is, well, this team is so good. How can they? And then we walk away from the game going, well, it was a rivalry game. It's like, I want to start doing that before the game starts. You right. know, And so... I look at this spread, I'm like, 10.5 points? How can you not lean towards Texas here? And I honestly think the average person is saying the opposite. I think the average fan looks and goes, Oklahoma is so much better, how could you not take OU? Yeah. I look at it and say, Sam Ellinger is really good. I look at penalty yards. Oklahoma, one of the most penalized teams in the country, averaging just over 100 penalty yards a game. Yeah. Meanwhile, Texas one of the best. I think certain things there start to weigh in Texas's favor, but the fact that you just said that Joe Burrow and LSU picked Texas apart, I know how susceptible... O- texas can be on defense to the pass yeah given that really you figure that OU may open things up and score a ton of points here right what, what about the other side i mean if texas can, can keep up
1: well that's what i'm uh, i think that what you just gave is a perfect example of you know how you can talk yourself into either either way with this game because i feel like everything all the stats and all of the when you look at the x's and o's and the, the injury stuff you're saying wow Oklahoma could really blow them out but then you look at the other side of things that, that it is a rivalry game and this game has been close more often than not oh you're, so, oh, you're damn straight so at the last time they faced off was in the big 12 championship game last year and that was a 12 point win for Oklahoma but the previous five regular season matchups before that were decided by one score less all the data and the injuries and OU's defense tell me that the Sooners is going to blow them out but like my gut is still telling me Texas is going to keep this close because like you said it rivalry games are tricky we know about Tom Herman as an underdog he's really good against the spread as an underdog one of the best honestly I think you know when it comes down to stats versus gut a lot of times I go with my gut and I'm I think I'm taking Texas here and if you're going to take Texas to cover I kind of feel like you could make an argument there for taking the over because if Texas is going to cover by 10 points that means, in my opinion, I think they're going to have to score at least 35 because Oklahoma's going to score. Oklahoma's, th- there's no way Texas is shutting down Oklahoma's offense. And at that point, then you're looking at maybe a 45 35 game, 45 37, and then you're looking at covering. And it's not out of the ordinary. The last five times these teams have played,
0: they've combined for 68 and a half points. Yeah. So it's not like when they meet each other, They're averse to scoring scoring points. And the other thing, Will, is I think that we tend to forget. Again, this happens in rivalry games. It's like how quickly you forget. The last seven times these teams have played... Texas is 6-1 against the spread. Yeah. In the last seven years, Oklahoma has been a far superior team. Only the last couple of years has Texas kind of, Texas is back, right? right? So this goes back seven games, which is probably four or five seasons or so, yeah. given uh, Big 12 championship so games. They
1: only played the Big 12 championship game uh, last year. That's So the it goes time back six play. years. Yeah, exactly. If this goes
0: back six years, Texas is 6-1 against the spread. Right. That, to me, says that everyone falls into the same trap. Oklahoma's really yeah. good.
1: They don't cover that big spread. And I feel like you can kind of throw out that Big 12 championship game a little bit just because when you play a team twice in one year, which is something that college teams are not used to, you see a lot of things differently. All of a sudden, now there's no secrets. They kind of know what the game plan is going to be. That's why we saw kind of a lower scoring game in the Big 12 championship game last year. Secrets, secrets
0: are no fun. Secrets, <laughs> secrets hurt, hurt someone. someone. Yes, Truer Remember words that. have never been spoken.
1: <laughs> uh, n- next game up, Nebraska. Nebraska. At Minnesota. Don't even get me going on this game. Well, <laughs> Minnesota routes them. How, how's that? That's my handy. I already told you. Okay, it's too frosty to row the boat. So, Minnesota's a seven-point favorite home right now. The Golden Gophers are 5-0 and oh for the first time in 15 years. And everyone in Minnesota is rowing the boat. The only problem, they haven't played anybody. Here's their five wins so far. South Dakota State. Fresno State, Georgia Southern, Purdue, and Illinois. All <laughs> hey. of those, save for Illinois, were, were won by one score or less, and the Gophers needed every last second and a little luck to beat Fresno and Georgia Southern. Meanwhile, in Lincoln, the Huskers' only impressive win may be against Northwestern last week, but at least they're battle-tested. So right now, Football Outsiders has Minnesota's strength of schedule ranked 123rd nationally out of 130 teams, and then you compare that to Nebraska, when their strength of schedule is 42nd. They lost in a shootout on the road to Colorado. Uh, they got the doors blown off them by Ohio State, obviously. But I just still like that their players have seen more adversity and better competition. You know, I, I, I just think that they're battle tested, and then not to mention that the Huskers are—they're they're eager to see some improvement on offense after they've sc- they scored just 20 combined points in the last two games. And they definitely will have an opportunity here against Min- a Minnesota defense that's in the bottom half of college football and points against. That being said, Adrian Martinez, uh, the quarterback for Nebraska, and their best wide receiver, J- J.D. Spielman, are both currently questionable with knee injuries. I, I think they're both likely to play, but you're going to have to pay attention to announcements on this one because if they are playing, I really like Nebraska, and if not, I'm not going to touch it. But you're probably gonna have to wait to make your bet until later in the week or maybe even close to kickoff.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna lean Nebraska here. I seven and a half's ridiculous though. I think that's way too many points to be honest. I mean Nebraska, if you look at how they match up in this game, they've dominated this 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 series. Now the last eight times they played, Nebraska's only five and three, five and three against the spread as well. But you start looking at how many points they've run for, passed for, what their defense has done, turnovers, penalties, Nebraska has dominated this series. And since they're getting seven and the hook, that seems disrespectful to Scott Frost, Nebraska, who will be playing with a little bit of motivation. You wonder what Minnesota's motivation is. They're an undefeated team right now, vastly outperforming expectations. This just... It, this is not a game I, I like to bet on, right? I mean, again, if I had to lean somewhere, I'd probably go Nebraska because everyone is going to look at this game and think that Minnesota's 5 0, Nebraska underperforming this year, but I think you have to lean with the Cornhuskers. Unfortunately. Yeah, I agree.
1: And I think that Scott Frost will have, you know, if, if Adrian Martinez isn't playing, I still think that he's going to have his backup quarterbacks ready. Uh, it seems like just a system. We saw it at UCF. It was a, a really. A good system for quarterbacks, I and mean, when one would get hurt, the next guy would come in, and they'd still, you know, uh, put up a lot of points. I just think that, you know, with seven and a half, especially if if Martinez, if if we find out he's playing and J D Spielman is playing, I love the Huskers in this one. All right, next game up: Michigan State at Wisconsin, ten point favorites for Wisconsin at home right here. So we just saw Michigan State get torched on the ground by Ohio State, and if there's one thing I expect from Mark D'Antonio's defense is that they won't have a repeat performance like that. This defense is definitely better suited against a more traditional offense like Wisconsin's too, as opposed to the spread offense and the more modern stuff we see from Ohio State. So we saw this Wisconsin offense really struggle to move the ball against Northwestern a couple weeks ago, and the Spartan coaching staff will certainly use what the Wildcats did as a blueprint for stopping Jonathan Taylor. And uh, if you're Wisconsin here, I also think I, I kind of feel like you'd rather have Michigan State coming off a close loss or a win against Ohio State, but now you've got a pissed-off Sparty coming to town trying to salvage their season. Because I tell you what, if they lose this one, if Michigan State loses this one, their chances of winning the Big Ten East are completely over. I just, last week I saw, I watched a little college game day.
0: Don't get to do that every Saturday with my schedule. But I saw a special. And it was highlighting uh, Michigan State and their game last week. Okay, Man, these guys were pumped up they were ready. They had a point to prove against Ohio State. They were building that up to the game of the season. They hate being underdogs. Again, when ESPN does a special, you have to think what that means in the locker room, right? Oh, extra cameras, they're doing a special on it, and then they lose and don't even cover the spread. I think this could be a letdown situation for Michigan State, and I really don't know if Michigan State has as good of a defense as everyone is touting them to have. I think Wisconsin's offense overwhelms Michigan and really will. This spread to me says any typical year. If you hey, take a typical Wisconsin team against a typical Michigan State team, this would be a good line. And I would probably take Michigan State. This year's different for, Washington, for uh, uh, Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin, as we talked about earlier, much different offense. I think that's really the real difference is when they need to throw the ball on third down. I know we didn't see it against Northwestern, but I thought that was a great spot for Northwestern that game. I think that when Washington... Or excuse me, I don't know why I keep saying Washington. When Wisconsin is backed into a corner and they need a pass play, I think they'll find that against Michigan State. And I actually lean Badgers here. I think the spread right now is 10? Is it 9? yeah. That's, that's questionable. If I get 9.5, this is a like for me. If it goes to 10.5, it's a no play for me. That's a very important number. But I think Wisconsin wins... Uh, by double digits, and I feel comfortable with minus 9.5 for Wisconsin.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I just feel like the difference between a team like Wisconsin and Ohio State when you're talking about how their defense, how Michigan State's defense is going to match up, is that Ohio State is like a big – they have these big chunk and these explosive plays. I talked about it last week is why I picked Ohio State in that game to cover, is that they have these big explosive plays where, you know, they can break off a touchdown that's 60 yards even when, you know, the defense kind of feels like they have them in a good spot. Wisconsin I think is totally different. Now their their offense is great this year. It's 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 much better than it has been in the past, but I still think they're a team that wants to grind it out these long drives. You know, sure they have a couple big plays against teams like Kent State or whatever, and, and they definitely had some against Michigan. I just think that that Michigan State will be able to, to contain Wisconsin and keep it close enough. I just don't see Wisconsin blowing them out like like we just saw Ohio State do that to. Uh, to uh, Michigan State, so I don't know. I you, you look at the the previous matchups in this year. So the last year, the Badgers beat Michigan State handily; it was thirty to six. But six of the previous seven before that were one score games, and all of them, all of those previous seven, were ten points or less. But my whole point
0: here with Wisconsin, and it's been my point the whole show, this is clearly a different Wisconsin team, and I think they're that much better. Maybe in the conversation with the with the playoff contenders, also. I know they want to keep the ball on the ground and I know that that, that the Initial reaction is to say Michigan State stops teams teams who like to do what they do, physical on the ground. But Wisconsin is so much more elite running the football. Wisconsin now is better than they've ever been running it. They also have an added element throwing the football. And Jonathan Taylor is averaging 7.2 yards a rush this year. So it's not like he's three and a half, three and a half, three and a half down the field. When he touches it, he's explosive. So I think they have a chance to really run the score up here against Michigan State. And it's in Wisconsin. I I love
1: that Northwestern game a couple weeks ago for Wisconsin really scared me because they were not able to move the ball. They only scored 10 offensive points. That game worries me because I think that, that that the Northwestern defense is very similar to the Michigan State defense schematically. You so, want to give me 9.5? Yeah, let's do it. We'll put this on the bedboard. board. Let's make it a little... I will take Michigan State plus 9.5. Yep. Finally, we get one on the bet board. You all and I right. seem to be on the same page a lot, which... It's never good. Feel good. We
0: need to go back and comb through. I mean, I think there may be some bets,
1: some impromptu bets that we don't write down. And, so, and I know
0: like the, the like show's like three and four. We, we said we'll write it down, and we never wrote it down. Yeah, so it's we'll easy to forget.
1: Yeah. I've been meaning to go back. So after this week, I was going to go back, and, and actually I was going to go and tally our, our lights and our record like, halfway through the season. I wish season. you
0: had like six hours of a plane ride coming up to do something like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I'll work on oh, it. There we go. Next week's show, I'll get a recap of our of my all my picks and all of your likes and your leans and all that stuff, and Boom. then we'll, we'll, we'll get it going. We'll, we'll double-team that one because I don't trust you. I think you're going to get <laughs> skeevy with it. It's crazy. <laughs> I looked back, and, Tyler, you were wrong every time. What's wrong with that? Uh, all right, next up, Florida, Florida next. at LSU. So well, we I, talk- I,
0: Yeah, I gave this one in my, my, my headlines.
1: Oh, that's right. You yeah. did. Yeah, we talked a lot about this game. So LSU 13-point favorite right now at home, night games at LSU. They call it Death Valley, where dreams go to die. Florida you got to give them credit they beat a tough Auburn team last week but that was at home and that was against a true freshman quarterback this is just not the same deal when you're talking about LSU and Joe Burrow who threw five games LSU has the number one scoring offense in the nation which is insane when you consider their recent history they've never been an offensive juggernaut number one scoring offense in the nation they're scoring 51 excuse me 54 points per game and I said it last week and was wrong But this week, I'm doubling down. I think Florida is a fraud. I think they're the worst undefeated Power 5 team. I don't think they're a top 10 team. And this is the week they get exposed. I said it last week, and I was wrong. Doubling down. This is the week Florida gets exposed. It's LSU's first night game of the year. The crowd at Tiger Stadium is nuts. That's on the very top of my stadium bucket list, by the way, to see a night game in LSU. It's a wild game environment, and I think it's exactly the environment where the Tigers will shine. I like LSU by 17 or more here, so I like LSU uh, minus 13 points here. I'm really impressed with Ed Orgeron this year. Um, I'm willing to admit it. I was
0: off with Ed Orgeron, and I kind of had the same idea with Clay Helton and Ed Orgeron, right? I thought these guys don't fit what this program's trying to go for. Ed Orgeron has completely proven me wrong. I mean, they're not just winning. They're doing it the right way. you are confident putting some money in a team, laying points in a game like this. In Florida, I understand they've beaten who they've been who they've been asked to beat and they have had a very difficult schedule so far but I think you combine Joe Burrow the capabilities of this offense as you mentioned Will Death Valley at night's a tough place to play and I see a bit of a letdown this week Florida put a lot into last week's game in the swamp it was a must-win game look LSU had a pseudo bye week last week, playing Utah State. They won, I think, forty-two-six. Started or uh, set their starters. Third quarter, they're healthy. They're ready to go. They've been looking to this game. I really think LSU is in a great, not only X's nose spot, coaching spot, but situational spot as well. I like the Tigers. Yeah, me too. Well, I like the yeah Tigers here. Yeah,
1: and I think it's look. I mean, you were you're definitely right because I think a lot of people were doubting Ed Orgeron, but I think it's kind of less about. Like what he does as a coach. And honestly, I think it's more about this addition of Joe Brady as the passing game coordinator because just even last year, this LSU offense was still what we were use, used to seeing under Les Miles. It was I form. We're going to run the ball. We're not going to pass the ball a lot. And then you bring in this Joe Brady guy who I don't think will be there long. I don't think that, that they'll be able to keep him. There's going to be teams offering him offensive coordinator well, listen, positions. was he the one from the Saints? From the Saints? Saints, yeah, from the New Orleans Saints. So he didn't have to go far. He moved from New Orleans just to uh, Baton Rouge. Which I think is less than an hour, and so I think that teams are going to come calling for that guy and offer him big time jobs. Yeah, and so I think it's less about Coach Owen. I think it's—I mean—it's still a testament to him to be willing to bring in a new guy to help, you know, take over the offense. But also another thing to look at: LSU four and one against the spread this year. They've done really well, and that one loss wasn't by much. So. Uh, that one, excuse me, the one time they didn't cover, it was still close. So I like LSU here. I think they they have a really good chance of just blowing Florida out of yep, the water. I agree. I think so, too. Okay. Next up, stay in the SEC. Alabama, minus 17 and a half at Texas A&M. Look, if I could bet this spread through three quarters, I'd take Alabama all day. But this is just a tricky line because I see this game being right around 42-20 to towards the end of the game, but I'm so hesitant to pick Alabama because we've seen them give up late scores to ruin the cover when their second and third string players come in. We've also seen A&M fail to score in the first three quarters against good teams only to score some garbage time touchdowns and get into that backdoor cover range. They did that against Clemson and got the backdoor cover They came close against Auburn a couple weeks ago where they scored, I think, 14 points in the fourth quarter. So I'm definitely not willing to pick A&M here because I just don't trust them. But the question becomes, do you have faith that Alabama can score enough to be ahead by 25 or more so that when they inevitably let in that late-game touchdown, which it seems like they have a trend of doing, it doesn't ruin the cover for the Tide. So... I think I'm probably staying away. The one thing I would look at is the first half spread, which would be probably right around nine, nine and a half for Alabama. I'd, I'd be very interested in taking that. But as far as the normal seventeen and a half game or seventeen and a half point spread, I'm probably staying away uh, from Alabama here. Yeah,
0: I, look, I, I have a few rules in sports that I rarely, rarely, rarely. Bet against Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. I bet against Bill Belichick once earlier this year. Buffalo Bills, plus seven and a half. Besides that, it has to be a really unique situation. I'm not about to do it here. Now, if I had to lean, I would lean and I think really? they have the roster. Yeah, I think they have the roster to frustrate Alabama. I think they absolutely have the secondary to get in the head of, uh, of uh, Tua, uh, Tunga Viola. Tunga Viola. Yeah. And if Jimbo Fisher creates some defensive plan to where they can confuse this offense and muddy this game up, look, they're 9-2 and against the spread their last 11 at home. They know how to win. The 11th man, I mean, it's going to be electric there. But I'm not, man. Tw- <laughs> Thank you. They are. The 11th, man, 11th I'm talking man is playing about the field. 12th man. But I'm not going to bet against Alabama. This is not one of those situations where you put right. your money against Nick Saban. So this is kind of a stay-away game for me. Yeah, uh, I kind of feel the same it's way. It's hard to gauge also. Look, this is one this is real. When you look at even Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, we don't even get to see how good these teams are. I've always I always use this rule. If you go up to these teams before, right? And you say, "All right, for every point you guys win by, everybody on the team gets a million dollars." And each point keeps going up. Then <laughs> How much would Alabama have won their games by, right. right?
1: so It could be 80, yeah. Exactly,
0: but that's factoring in motivation, which you also have to factor in for this game. If Alabama is up, like Will said, 24, 27 points, does Nick Saban have motivation to keep the starters in or not? Too many question marks. When I bet on games, I look for predictability. The predictive value of, of, of Alabama is almost zero. I'm not betting on this game.
1: Yeah, I mean... The only thing that is a little enticing is that you don't see these low point spreads for Alabama games very That's often. Why Seven, That's why it gets you. 17 and a half, it's kind of, it kind of pulls you in. You you say, well, they're, they're blowing out everybody by basically 20 plus. But you're right. This is the first real test for their offense, I think. I think Texas A&M's defense is good. I don't know about great, but it's very good. But I also... Then you look at the other side and you say... Can, can Kellen Mond and the Texas A&M offense score against Alabama's defense? Because I don't think they, they can for the first half, for the first three quarters, but, but then we get into that, that backdoor cover game again. Well,
0: and that's the thing. is If A&M covers this game, I see the undercovering as well because they have to muddy it up, and they're not right. going to do so by putting up points and making it a shootout. They're going to do so by making things tough on Alabama's offense, and really their their offense, A&M's offense— Will be kind of uh, you know a wash in this yeah. whole thing. So I think that's what it comes down to. Can they force Alabama into really in uncomfortable situations when they have the football? That that's the whole handicap for me.
1: Okay, fair enough. Next up, uh, Southern. This is our Cal. last game. Uh, no, we got two more coming. Up. Okay, uh, Southern Cal on the road at Notre Dame. One of the oldest rivalries in college football. One of the best, especially when the two teams are doing great. Hasn't quite been the case these last few years. So this. We, you and I both talked about it. This very well feels like it could be Clay Helton's last game as head coach at USC. Yeah, USC's 3-2. and two. They've had an up-and-down team. Uh, they looked really good against Stanford and Utah, both home games. And they struggle against Washington and BYU, both on the road. They haven't won a road game yet. And I really don't think that this is the one where they get their first road game either. So Notre Dame is still <laughs> somehow underrated, I think. They lost on the road by just six points to a very good Georgia team in a very tough environment. And through five games... I think they've proven they're extremely talented and they're an extremely balanced team. They rank in the top 15 in both scoring offense and scoring defense. There's only a handful of teams that can say that this year. And what I like most from the Irish in this matchup is their passing defense. Notre Dame is allowing just 183 yards per game through the air and just 56% completion to opposing quarterbacks. And it's not like they are just doing that against the bad teams they're playing. Uh... Jake Fromm from Georgia. He had almost that exact same what their averages. He, he threw for 187 yards and just one touchdown. He really held him in check. And with Keaton Slovis questionable uh, for uh, quarterback for USC, very well could be this Matt Fink guy, the third string guy. I think we see the Fighting Irish force turnovers and capitalize on the mistakes when they give the ball. And then they give the ball back to Ian Book in the Notre Dame offense. I love Ian Book. I think he's really good. I think that If Notre Dame can get an early score, an early lead, and force USC into obvious passing downs, it could really get out of hand in a hurry here. I like Notre Dame at home to cover the spread of 11 points. Yeah, I hate agreeing with you again
0: here, but I think that's the case, and I believe that the Irish have incentive to keep running it up. It's a rivalry game. Look, I think that Brian Kelly may—and this is a real thing—I think Brian Kelly may kind of feel for Clay Helton, right? I mean, he's a coach. He understands how the coaching carousel works. He knows Clay—he knows Clay Helton's on the hot seat. But that doesn't matter for an eleven and a half point spread. That would matter for a twenty-four point spread, right? I think if Notre Dame's up thirty-one ten, then they may take their foot off the gas, and that may be a, a factor. Since this spread is so small, I, what what do you have at right now? 11.5? Eleven and
1: a half. Eleven. Eleven.
0: That that to me that doesn't enter the realm of Brian Kelly making any decisions for any external factors. Right. It's a small enough spread to where I think the Irish are that much better. They'll get margin, get margin early. I actually thought this line would open up closer to like 16 or 17. Now, I'm not a college football originator, so I don't make my own lines, which is why it's tricky for me to say that and then bet this game because I don't really know how off the market ever truly is. But I would have to say that the Irish are kind of undervalued in this game, which means they're undervalued in the market. 11-point spread with three points for home field implies the Irish are about a touchdown and a point better, about eight points better than USC. Look, I understand that Keaton Slovis got the nod. He will play this week. I still don't think it's going to be enough. I like Notre Dame to win. I think they win big and flex their muscles. Because here, when you get USC, USC still represents a good school. Now... At the end of the year, they may not even have enough wins to go to a bowl game. Who knows? But the fact that they can potentially have the chance to route USC still is something that this team... We talked about this earlier in the year, Will. I think it was Michigan playing someone, or I forget who it was. My example was if they're playing a a rivalry, or they're playing Rutgers. Right. There's different incentive. And I think that because it's USC, because it's a rivalry game, they will dig in, and I think they'll uh, blow them out early. So I like Notre Dame here.
1: So you like Notre Dame to win the jeweled shillelagh. The George shillelagh for you, Brian Kelly. don't them look at the Irish. You're familiar with the jeweled shillelagh? Oh, the George shillelagh will. <laughs> <laughs> Your Irish accent is horrific. It's, it's so painful. I mean, look at the Irish. I think it's just a little too character. When
0: we invented the potato chip, I love the, when we uh,
1: cut the potato too thin. I love the jeweled shillelagh. I think it's one of the most interesting and weird trophies that you can get for rivalry trophies. Um And did you know the Jewel Shillelagh? (laughs) I was just Googling this because I wanted to know what it's all about. It's a Irish club made of oak. And on the end of it, engraved the following from the Emerald Isle. Oh. And the real Jewel Shillelagh is also on display, I think, in Los Angeles. Now they have like a mock one. They add add an extra jewel to it every year. If the Irish win, it's a shamrock jewel. If the Trojans win, it's like a Trojan helmet jewel.
0: Oh, the Jewel Shillelagh. (laughs)
1: Terrible, 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 Tyler. Uh, last but not least, Penn State at Iowa. Now, the line right now, Tyler, I might need you to update me on this because when I saw it last night, it was four and a half points in favor of Penn State. This game opened at three, just just Penn State by three, and I'm wondering if this line has moved even more since last night. It might be up to like five points by now. Let me check it for you. Um, so, buyer beware. This is a trap line. This line stinks. Iowa just put up three points and one rushing yard against Michigan. It is four. Four. Okay. Uh, I saw it as high as four and a half, but either way, it'll probably stay right around that four number. Uh, yeah, Iowa one rushing yard against Michigan last week, and that look that's that's a little bit suspect because it does account for or it does not account for sack yards. Uh, Michigan had eight sacks for minus 65 yards, but even if you remove the sack yards, Iowa still just had 66 yards rushing against a Michigan defense that gave up 360 on the ground to Wisconsin Uh, Iowa's defense was great though they gave up 10 points in the first quarter and then held Michigan scoreless in the last three Uh, and 10 point giving up 10 points that's right around Iowa's average this year of just eight points per game which seems really impressive right they're just uh, giving up eight points per game but almost none of these teams they've played have good offenses they played Michigan 74th in scoring Miami Ohio 102nd in scoring Rutgers dead last in scoring uh, Middle Tennessee State 105th the only team that uh, even ranks in the top 25 of total scoring they played is Iowa State and they Iowa did win that game but Iowa State racked up 400 yards uh, they outgained Iowa and and ultimately Iowa State just kind of gave the game away with turnovers so I think that the Iowa defense is a little bit overrated I don't think it's quite as good as people are making it out to be and then you see Penn State comes in red hot they're scoring 47 points per game that's good for fifth uh, best in the country And they have the second best scoring defense in the nation to boot. That's incredible, those stats. Penn State has won five straight against Iowa. So most people here would probably look at this game and expect Penn State to be a road favorite by more than a touchdown, right? And yet the line open at three is now up to four. And the reason for that, I believe, is that this game is a night game at Kinnick Stadium probably one of the most underrated home field advantages in all of college football no one really talks about it it's not a big stadium but their fans are loud and more importantly the front row of the stadium is maybe 15 feet from the playing field the fans are right on top of the away players when, you, when you're watching the game, just look and tell me it wouldn't be uncomfortable. The benches that you're sitting on are directly, they're right below the front row fans, uh, right in front of the student section. So they can literally reach out and touch them if they want to. It's intimidating. And don't just take my word for it. Just look at some of the big upsets they've pulled off at home, Iowa has in recent years. Two years ago, 2017, Iowa was 6-3 and, and unranked. And Ohio State came to Kinnick Stadium, ranked 5th in the nation. Under the lights, the Hawkeyes kicked the shit out of the Buckeyes, 55-24. That loss kept Ohio State out of the playoffs that year. The previous year, 2016, Iowa, once again, unranked, 6-4. and four. Undefeated Michigan comes to town, ranked number 2 in the, in the country at night, and they beat Michigan 14-13 with a field goal in the last play. See a trend here? When Iowa is struggling and no one is giving them a shot and they get a top team at home at night, they give them a good game. They nearly did it to Penn State two years ago when the Nittany Lions scored a touchdown on the very last play of the game to win by just two points. So my brain is telling me Penn State's going to blow them out, but all the history in my gut is just telling me this is exactly the type of game where Iowa can pull out an upset, Kirk Ferentz will get another seven-year contract extension, Uh, I I don't like the line either way, but I think I'm leaning Iowa here just because of all that.
0: I'm I'm leaning the other direction, and I don't want to make it too strong because I don't want to make this a bettable game. (laughs) I don't want to write this down on the games we bet, but I would lean Penn State. And here's the thing. You mentioned a lot about Penn State's offense. I think this defense is actually underrated. You look at the efficiency stats, the FPI stats. Penn State has a good defense. Very good defense. So I think that what we're getting here is two elite defenses. I believe that Iowa will play like an elite defense at home, night game, and I think Penn State truly is an elite defense. Throughout the course of 60 minutes, this is only a four-point spread. This is the smallest spread the last six years between these two teams. Wow. Now keep in mind, Penn State in those years, five and one against Iowa, three and three against the spread. Mm. Okay, So it's 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 up in the air with the spread, but they have one against Iowa. And here's the thing. If, if you give Penn State and this new creative offense this year that everyone's talking about – a few uh, uh, momentous occasions, a few things for them to build on, I think they can take that lead on the road and I don't think the road matters for them anymore. And I think they start running the football, doing whatever they have to do win this game. I always talk about the flow of games. I think this game could be a slow-paced game where both teams are running the football, Penn State's getting held up on offense, but they still pull away and I could see you know, where Penn State kind of airs it out. And it's more of an open game. Iowa still may try and chew clock, but it's open for Penn State. It doesn't matter to me what happens. I think Penn State still finds a way to cover the four points by the end of the game. Now, it's only a lean because of all the great reasons you brought up. I'm not about to fade a team at home. And look at the history. They get a good team in this exact situation, and it becomes a trap game. I don't like falling into the traps. My money would probably go to Penn State, but it's certainly a pass for me.
1: Yeah, I think what's really interesting is that, you. I mean, Penn State's averaging 47 points per game. And the over-under, the the point total for this game is just 43 and a half. (laughs) So what that tells me is that they're predicting this to be a really kind of ugly, grinded-out game, kind of like you said, where Iowa wants to chew the clock and then maybe they can force a couple turnovers here and there. This is like Kinnick is just a place where you don't want to go at night when you're a top-ranked team. Like, that's just upset city. 43
0: and a half, so let's say 44. Is the over-under, and the spread's four. So they're projecting the, the, this game 24-20. to be 24-20. Yeah. Exactly. That's a very low-scoring, very defensive game. But like we just said, both teams have good defenses. The question is, which offense can pull away? I give this slight nod to Penn State, even yeah. though they're on the road in a tough spot.
1: This just feels like it it would be so Iowa to just lose and score three <laughs> points on the road against Michigan and then come and home exactly, and, and take right? down Penn State. It right? would be so like Kirk Ferentz. So. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's all I got. All right, Will. All right. That's the show for this week, guys. Thanks again for listening. Make sure uh, you subscribe, you rate, review. That really helps us build the show. Uh, You can listen to us on all the places you can find uh, podcasts. Anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you'll find us. Check us out on Twitter also at CFB Weekly.